Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. This is Josh Wander from Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh. It's so great to be back. We've been gone or, or absent for a couple weeks. First uh, week we had issues, technical difficulties, and last week uh, due to the uh, funeral of Esther Pollard, Zichron Alevracha, uh, I was also not able to make it. But this week we are back and we are back strong. We have a great uh, um guests for you that's coming on that we're very, I'm very excited to speak to. Uh, we have a great song to play for you, which I'm also very excited about. Uh, this is a live show, and we do encourage you to write in, to call in, um, even during the show. We would love to hear from you if you have comments, if you have complaints, if you have criticism, if you have uh, whatever you want to call about, uh, you're welcome to call in. If you are stuck in North America, the number to call us would be 301 301- Seven six eight four eight four one three zero one seven six eight four eight four one. And if you're fortunate enough to have made it back home to Eretz Israel, then the number is zero two six five zero zero one five one zero two six five zero zero one five one. Israel Unplugged is where you get the unadulterated facts of where we're holding in the redemptive process. Focusing primarily on the ingathering of the exiles. I'm here today with my co-host, Rabbi Moshe Lichtman. Yes, hello, hello. Good to be back. And uh, I would add one thing if you want to call in, and you could also give us some compliments. We'll take those, too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and that having been said, Rabbi Lichtman has a great website that I encourage you all to see and compliment him about, which is <laughs> the website toratzion.com, toratzion, one word, dot com. Over there you'll find his books and all of uh, the interesting things that he is involved in. And they, also we encourage you to go to our website at bringthemhome.org.il or otherwise it's timetoleave.com. Either of those will take you to our website, which we have hundreds of videos. We have this show as well as our recorded podcast and many other things that are worth seeing. We encourage you also to go to our YouTube channel, which is which is Israel Torah, and to make sure that you subscribe and you press on the notifications. We will be right back for a great show. did a nice Jewish girl from Delaware end up living in Israel? Shalom! I'm Natalie Sapinski. Join me on my show, Returning Home. Meet different people who have moved to Israel. Hear their personal stories, their highs, their lows, and everything in between. Each week, we talk to experts on immigration and the process of moving to Israel. Listen to Returning Home every Thursday, only on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. This is Josh Wander. I was uh, a little bit shocked, I have to be honest with you, when I was sent in the uh, an email 
a flyer. The flyer said that uh, the Vad Ha'avrechim, that is known as Kumu Vena'aletzion, is proud to announce registration that has opened for Kiryat Lakewood Bema'ale Amos. The uh, town of Lakewood, if those that are not familiar with it, uh, as we say in Hebrew, Hamevin Yovin, those people who know Lakewood in, in New Jersey understand what that means, is is moving to Male Amos and Be'ezras Hashem Yisbarach. The first families will be moving as early as this June. And it goes on to tell about the housing and new construction and the different properties that are available for rent. It says that English-speaking Mosdos, those are different institutions led by experienced Mechanchim, those are the educators and Mechanchos. The, they have a boys' cheder, a girls' base Yaakov, a Mesifta. Uh, they speak about tuition costs uh, and gives information about uh, who to contact. And this was a little bit shocking to me because I always considered Lakewood to be a very, maybe the hardest nut to crack as far as American Jewry is concerned, Orthodox Jewry is concerned. We are so fortunate today to have a representative of this organization, Kumu Vanaletsiyom, which is a group that was founded by Rabbi David Kolidetsky uh, with the purpose of helping American Jews more easily make the move to Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Kolidetsky is the Rosh Hashiva, he's a Rosh Hashiva in Lakewood, and Menachem Leibowitz, our guest, is partnered together with this rabbi to launch this initiative. Menachem Leibowitz recently moved himself with his family and uh, of 10, sorry, to Ramat Beit Shemesh. So he's a, a neighbor of yours, Rabbi uh, Lichtman. Um, uh-huh. So, Ra- Menachem, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So, um, you're, are you from Lakewood originally? Let's start with Lakewood. I moved here a little less than six months ago from the Tom's River Lakewood area. Okay, and now, now, am I? I'm not from that area, but I, but I meet a lot of people from that area. And it's not it's not the most uh, it's not known to be the most Zionist neighborhood around in is it's not a, it's not Teaneck it's not a place where people are waving Israeli flags. On the other hand, what what this flyer suggests is that there is a initiative of perhaps a mass aliyah groups of people that are willing to leave the Haredi neighborhood in America and move to Israel. Can you tell us a little bit of, more about that and what that entails? Yeah, I can, sure. So, yes, you you may not see many Israeli flags uh, flying in Lakewood, Tom's River, but I can vouch for them that they are really authentic Jews. And that being the case, <laughs> their heart is in Eretz Yisrael because that's our Kaddish Baruch who created Klal Yisrael, that they're attached to Eretz Yisrael, and that's where they all really, truly want to be. Um, so it's no... It's no wonder uh, that people would like to come and are willing to risk a lot to come, but there have always been great challenges for, call it the, uh, the yeshiva crowd, especially with large families, to be able to pick themselves up and find a place in Eretz Yisrael that's welcoming enough for them that it shouldn't create all types of challenges for their families and raising their families. So this initiative that was the idea of Rabbi Kolodetsky was if we can put together a group of, call them Kail families, 
B'nai Torah, even if they're working families, if we can put together a group of families that would that all want to move here, and we can take the biggest challenge, let's call it the Chinuch, and have enough families that we're able to start our own yeshiva system for the boys and for the girls that are going to help them integrate with the language barrier, and we can also find a location where the housing will be much cheaper than the centers of Yiddishkeit in Eretz Yisrael, then it might be something that people would just be very excited to do. Eretz Yisrael today has, I believe, the largest the largest amount of full-time learning learners of Torah in any time, in any place in Jewish history, probably since Bayez Rishon, since the first Temple times. There's over 300,000 Jews that are learning full-time Torah here. I, I'm just curious what you mean by, what are you going to add? What are you adding by bringing the Chinuch of Lakewood to Eretz Yisrael? What is different and what, what is, what is uh, perhaps, uh, I'm not going to say wrong, what, what is different about that type of education versus what is already exists here in Eretz Israel? So I would say that there's many different colors to how uh, Yidin will be mechanech and teach Torah to their children. Um, even in Eretz Israel itself, you'll have different groups and, and uh, you know, you'll find different things, uh, different ways that things are taught and how their children are raised. Uh, Lakewood and America uh, slash Lakewood they kind of have their own ways also, and and Bederich Klal, Yidin take the chinuch of their children very, very seriously. And and they're, they're meiser nefesh, to raise their children according to the ways of the Torah, and they don't want to feel like they're giving up anything because their children come first. So there's not, it, it, there's a different style, there's a different way they learn, and even if you just look at the language as being the most a challenging part because we know that that's a challenge when you have any family that picks up and moves here for their for them to integrate their children that are English speaking into the Hebrew speaking culture into the Israeli culture it's very very challenging and I know myself I just moved here I was fortunate enough to move here with my family I have eight children Kanahara and I'm here for almost six months and the schooling is very very challenging and it's not a challenge that Many people can be expected to take. Um, Baruch Hashem, my wife, I got married here in Eretz Yisrael. My wife was born and, and raised here, so it was easier for her to deal with the challenges. So Baruch Hashem, it's working out, and my kids are settling. But for most families, it'll be a very, very difficult challenge. that They don't feel that it's right for them to go and, and, and create that challenge in their life just to live in Eretz Yisrael now, and they'll do it when the time is right. That's really been the attitude. Just, just if I can just, I'm trying to understand exactly what you're saying. When, when you talk about different education here, if you're talking about language, a language barrier, everybody has language barriers when they come and they learn the language and, and they get over it, hopefully, and they move on. Uh, when it comes to the actual Dera Halimud and the type of education, there are many Haredi um, groups here. There are many Haredi neighborhoods here. Uh, what is the difference between an American Haredi education and an Israeli Haredi education, in your opinion? Well, I'll give you one example, and uh, this is widely known in the yeshiva system. 
that the American style is a little bit of a slower and deeper method of learning it. This is at least talking about the boys when they start learning Mishnayis and they start learning Gemara. It's a slower and deeper method of learning. And in Eretz Yisrael, it's a little bit of a faster, um, not as deep method of learning. That's a basic uh, uh, difference that there is. But I wouldn't say so much that it's that difference that really matters. It's the fact that it's a big change for them. It's a change for their kids that are already in school or already used to learning a certain way. Or already, for example, you take a boy that is starting to learn Gemara. Okay, he's going to fifth grade and his parents decided that, you know what, we want to leave America, we want to live in Eretz Yisrael. They take their boy and they put him into a Hebrew-speaking cheder. And his first year of learning Gemara, he has this language barrier that sets him back. That's a, that's a very big scare for the parents. What will happen over that year? How much will he fall behind? Will he have the strength to be able to pick himself up and to overcome the challenges and fall back into place at to where he's supposed to be for 6th and 7th grade? What happens if he doesn't? Is he going to then not you know, be part of the school system and he's going to need extra help? And it's, it's very frightening and it's, a very, it's very common. Would you, I would like to uh, uh, chime in here, would you agree, though, that it would probably be smarter to to uh, make Aliyah before you have kids and before they get used to the whole American system? And then, you know, this whole thing wouldn't even, uh, wouldn't, would be a moot point because they'd grow up in Israel and not have this issue at all. Well, obviously, that would take, that would take away many of the challenges, but... I'll tell you the same thing that I've been telling people that that have been asking. They've been calling up to hear more about this this project in Malamos, and the, I've gotten the question many times: Who's the rub behind this project? Who's Haskama is on this project? And the answer that we usually give is: There doesn't need to be a rub behind moving to Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is somewhere that Eden have been moving to for hundreds and thousands of years. Every family on their own needs to make a decision for themselves. They need to speak to their Rav, to their Rosh Yeshiva, to their Dasar, to see if it's something that they, that's right for their family. And if it is, and the, the information that they get from us, and the way they see that things are being set up works right, then that's something that they can do. You don't need a Rav to give a Haskama on moving here. So your question of if it would be smarter for people to move here before they have children it would definitely make it easier, but every family has to decide at that stage of life, where should we be, what, where's the best place for my learning now, where's the best place for my job now, for my education, or whatever else it is. We're going to a hard break now, but we're going to be back in a few minutes, and uh, we'd love for you to stick around because I have a lot more questions for you. Uh, can you stick around to, to after the break? I'd be happy to, sure. Great. Okay, so we're going to be back right after the break with Menachem Leibowitz. He is representing the Kumu Vanale Zion, Kiryat Lakewood in Male Amos, and we're going to ask him some more pointed questions. Be right back.
You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany's but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every Monday. Welcome back to uh, Israel Unplugged, and we're here with Menachem Leibowitz uh, from, remind me, Josh, the name of, exact name of the organization? It's called Kumu Benaletzion. Kumu Benaletzion. So we started the conversation talking about, you know, that uh, Lakewood is not exactly the most Zionistic uh, community, and uh, Menachem rightfully said that, you know, you don't have to be a... Uh, a, a a flag waver in order to love Eretz Israel, and that I 100% agree with. But I, I, I think we have to, though, address the the issue that there is, however, a lot of very vehement anti-Zionism in Lakewood, and even though they're against a the secular government, but it definitely rubs off on people, and it makes people... You know, with have this attitude of you know, no, it's not the right time to come to Eretz Israel. We don't have to come to Eretz Israel. We have to wait till Mashiach comes, and that kind of attitude. Is that something prevalent in in Lakewood? Is it something not so much? Is it just a fringe element? What do you What do you think? Um, I would well, first of all, I don't want to make myself sound like an expert on Lakewood, um, so <laughs> I'll just give you my opinion since you asked. I heard one. Uh, some uh, a very good statement about a different sect of Judaism, um, and I don't want to go into it, but just what was said about it was is that it seemed that the noise that's made is coming from the majority of them. And someone said to me, if you take a pushka, an empty pushka, and you put a few coins in it and you shake it around, it's going to make a lot of noise. When you hear a lot of noise, it doesn't mean that there's a lot in there. There's just is a little bit, and that's why it's making so much noise. It's mm-hmm. a cute, it's a cute saying. So I would not at all say, from the time that I spent in Lakewood, that that's a that's a representation of Lakewood uh, Yidden at all. Wow. And I think that's that that is changing over time. I think that Lakewood is becoming more and more. Maybe the whole country, maybe the whole world, Jews are becoming more warm to the idea of Aliyah. And uh, but I would like to hear a little bit about the pros and the cons. What what kind of positive responses have you gotten? What kind of pushback have you gotten from people in your community, former community? Um, okay, so this this initiative started this past summer, uh, the beginning of the summer, and uh, we put a hundred and fifty dollar black and white. I don't even think it was a half page ad. It may have been maybe it was a quarter page ad in a little publication called the Masa Umatan. And if I may, that's like the most yeshivish uh, uh, like publication that you can possibly have in Lakewood, okay? And my Chavrusa, that day, he said to me, like, he calls me up frantic, and he's, he's like, I saw your, your little ad in the Masa Umatan. He's like, what are you doing? It looks like a scam. Uh, 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 no one's going to call you. you. You did it all wrong. And 
I told him, listen, this is, you know, this is how we're starting. This is all we have. We're not funded by anyone. And this is what, this is what we can do. Uh, lo and behold, every day, the phone calls just kept piling on. And the first day was about 10, 15 phone calls. And I've been telling people about the idea. And they're saying, okay, take my information. We want to be kept in the loop. Keep us, uh, keep us informed how things are moving on and so on. And and uh, it took about two, two to three weeks, I think, and we had about 80 families that have called and given their information and wanted to be updated about the progress. Um, wow. That's all positive. I think I received yeah. like three text messages of people trying to, uh, I don't know, make their noise and the, the, the antis. Uh, but other than that, it was overwhelmingly positive and very, very hush of uh, names in Lakewood that when people heard and people saw who actually came, we made an Asifa short a few weeks later, and the people that came and, and the names, were the people people were amazed. Wow, such families would actually think about pick, picking themselves up and move to Eretz Yisrael. So it was a really, really big surprise to everybody the, the, how many people actually showed up to the Asifa, how many people actually registered and took very strong interest. What is your goal? What are you looking to? Uh, are you re- looking to bring a certain amount of people? Have you reached your goal? Uh, are you? I, I understand there's a there's a project in Malay Amos and there's another project somewhere in Benjamin. Uh, how do they differ? Are they they, they it's the same? And and uh, it sounds like you're getting so many calls. Do you have an office? Do you have people that are working on this full time? How do you how do you manage it all? Okay, so as far as what the goals are, um, we 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 have goals, but the main focus is and this is very important for us, is we're doing this because Rev. David Kaldetsky, myself, we feel that this, this is a, a, call it a very big chesed for families in, in America that would like to move to Eretz Yisrael, and this is no doubt the Ratzon Hashem to try and establish something like this. Um, so our goal is to successfully bring the first group of families and to make sure that they don't just come here but things worked out well for them, and the schools were set up right, the housing was done right. And from there, the expectation is that it should, on its own, be able to grow and grow, uh, you know, by tens and tens of more families in, in the coming school year after that, in the middle of the school year. So that's, that's what the, call it the short-term goals are. Um, as far as the two separate locations, there's Mala Amos and there's, uh, and there's this Geva in Yemen. Um, Mala Amos is something that that's relevant for now, for the school year, for this coming school year, and it's a wonderful community that that exists today in Mala Amos. The Rav is an incredible uh, a person, uh, uh, a great Talmud Chacham and a Poisik, and he's like a father to the community in Mala Amos. And I was I was just amazed when I went there the first time and met him, and uh, he, I was taken for a tour of the school together with him to see how excited the children were when he walked in and how they all came over to him. It, it was really a beautiful sight to see, and that's how it is. He's like the the like a father figure in Malamos. Um, so Malamos was it looked like a really nice place to be able to bring a kind of a new community and make it part of the existing community that's there which helped so much to to get this off the ground because if we started on our own somewhere 
out without an existing infrastructure of schools, of shuls, of a rov, would be a very, very, very difficult uh, project. And I'm very happy that we found a place like Malamos that we can become part of and integrate with. Binyamin, the Geva Binyamin location, that's a location that is right now empty. There's nothing there. And it's a project that needs to be built. And uh, with Siyat HaDashmai, if enough people show interest, then we'll be able to have the you know families move there and kind of copy the Malamos, um, you know, how things worked out over there and, and continue that in another location. So we'll see how that goes uh, with the registration with Geva Ben Yaman. On the this flyer, Ma- go ahead. This Mala Amos is a Haredi community? Mala Amos is a Haredi community. Um, I'm saying what exists the, already. Yes, yes. It's a, a, uh. somewhere around 110 families. Um, there's, uh, from what I know, I believe there's at least two Kailulim there. Um, and they're not the majority of Malamos may not be uh, Kailul families, but it's a, it's a nice percentage of it. And the rest are, are Haredi families. This is very interesting because both of these locations that you mentioned, both Mali Amos and Geva Binyamin, are both what is known uh, by the world as over the green line. They're in, in what is known as Yehuda and Shomron. And, uh, and traditionally, uh, there, are, there are many attempts by the Haredi world to move communities there. Some of them were successful, like Beitar and Kira Sefer, and some of them, like Emmanuel, were much less successful. And I'm just wondering if you've had any feedback about the location. So, um, just to joke a little bit, I'm known to be someone that's slightly colorblind. So when people call me and ask me if it's over the green line, I tell them that I'm colorblind and I don't see any green line there. Um, <laughs> but the truth is, is that the green line doesn't matter to most people. Some people are nervous uh, security-wise, and that's always a valid question. And, you know, I, I don't like to take any responsibility for people. I tell them where it is, and I tell them about it. Baruch Hashem, Malamas has been... Uh, security-wise, an incident-free place for as long as anyone there can can remember, and it should continue that way. And and uh, some people that have called have expressed concern and said it's not for them, and that's okay. It may not be for everybody, but most people that have called have been okay with it. You know, it's not far from Beitar, from Efrat, and people are, you know, I've, heard, I've had the question, is there a security fence around Malamos? The answer is yes, there is a security fence. Okay, that's great. That's, uh, we're happy to hear that. So generally speaking, the feedback from the families has been very positive about the location. Tell us if somebody wants to get, we're running out of time, we only have a minute left. Tell us if somebody wants to get a hold of you or they're interested in this project, how does one get a hold of you and uh, to get involved in this project? So anyone that's interested in information can email at registerkumu at gmail.com. That's uh, K-U-M-U, and uh, we'll call anyone back uh, from America, from Meritus Royal, and give them all the information that they'd like to hear. Absolutely amazing. Well, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. This is, I mean, it gives me so much hope for Am Yisrael that there are Jews out there, even uh, those who are not uh, necessarily Zionistic, and you don't have to be. As long as you understand the importance of Eretz Yisrael to Am Yisrael, because that's something that I think is beyond machloket, beyond any uh, uh, argument. 
We all know that this is where the God wants us to be. So thank you so much for joining us. And uh, Hatzlacha Rabba. Great uh, success. We wish you. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Rabbi David Aaron. The soul basics are the most profound, the most essential, and yet often the most neglected in our education. Join me for Soul Talk on Israel's News Talk Radio and discover the secrets to love, spiritual growth, and personal power. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. We promised you a song, and this is not just any song. I, I explained in the beginning of the show how we were absent last week. I was uh, went to the funeral of Esther Pollard, the wife of Jonathan Pollard, and uh, I was in touch. Yeah, last night was the end of the uh, of the morning period of the shiva, and they had a special azkara, uh, a special memorial uh, for Esther. And a song uh, was sung by an Israeli a cappella that is known as Keep Alive. We got permission from them, from uh, Rafi Sandler, one of, their, one of the singers, uh, to play the song. The song is very, very uh, meaningful, very touching. The song was actually created almost six years ago. Jonathan and Esther Zechernavrocha reached out to them after the first time that they heard it. They said that the combination of the tune that they grew up with, 500 Miles by Peter, Paul, and Mary, together with the lyrics that spoke to their heart, made them both come to tears with emotion and joy. We have since, they have since been in touch with them and looked forward to their return home to Israel. Jonathan kindly asked them to come and sing We Are Home, the name of the song, last night and we are of course agreed to this it was very emotional and meaningful if you have anybody sees the video you could see jonathan crying during hearing the song and and they could see that it meant what it meant to him um he told them afterwards that she would sing it every day after her morning prayers what a great merit what a great schut to bring some comfort to this suffering husband and and hero i should ask for the jewish people the lyrics were written by Keep Alive members in order to share their own personal stories. They felt that many people might relate to them. Uh, they have singers who made Aliyah on their own, some with their families, some born to Olim and some born to Israeli families. The song talks about all of them, and here it is. <laughs> Two thousand years. 
this is the first time that uh, Rabbi Lichtman and Tamar are listening to that song. What do you think? Wow. Wow. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, I'm getting a phone call. Okay. I'm going to. That's that. all right. So, so that song, like I said, you can actually look online. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but you can look online for Kipa Live, the Israeli Capella, and you can find this song and their other amazing songs. Uh, I think they're based in Ranana. And uh, and they are definitely a special group, and uh, we're very we we thank them very much for allowing us to play their this very special song on our show. Yes, wow, that's very very special. Um, so I'd like to add to it uh, an idea, an idea from the parsha that we just read two days ago in Shul Parsha Truma. Um, we, we read there the commandment. I'm sorry. Someone is trying to call me. I don't know who that is. Okay. Uh, that just means you're a very popular guy. That's all. Very popular. Very, (laughs) very popular. So, um, we read about the commandment to build the temple. Right. They, the Jewish people shall make for me a, a sanctuary. And the Sefer Achinuch, who is the uh, one of the people who counts the mitzvot, so he writes about this mitzvah that it applies only when the majority of the Jews dwell in their land. Meaning, we only have an obligation to build the second temple, to build a temple. Sorry, when the majority of the Jews live in the land of Israel. Of course, when we originally entered the land. At the time of Yoshua, Joshua, the whole, the entire Jewish people lived in Israel. So that's why 480 years later, as we read in the Haftorah, Shlomo, Solomon, King Solomon, built the temple. Uh, 
But we know that 410 years after that, the temple was destroyed and the Jews were sent into exile for 70 years. And then finally, Ezra and Nehemiah brought the Jewish people back to the land of Israel and rebuilt the second temple. The problem is that we know from the from the verses in, in, in those books, Ezra and Nehemiah, that a very small minority of Jews ended up living in, coming back to, to Israel. Most of them stayed in, in the exile. They were very uh, complacent with their their newfound lives in, in exile. They were actually comfortable in Babel and Babylonia, and therefore they didn't come back. So how is it that Ezra and Nehemiah rebuilt the second temple if the majority of the Jews weren't there? We just said that the Sefer HaChinuch says that you have to have the majority of the Jews living in Israel in order to, to be able to fulfill this mitzvah. So Rabbi Yeshua Kutner, Rabbi Yeshua of Kutno, the author of Yeshuot Malko, gives a very beautiful answer and a very important answer for our day and age. Um, there is a Gemara, there is a Talmudic statement. I think actually, I, I'm not doing Dafyomi right now, but uh, Josh, if you are, tell me, what what are they up to? I know they're up to Chagiga, some, somewhere in Chagiga. No, not in Chagiga. Not yet, but we're oh. going to be, uh, fr- fr- I think Friday is the same for Chagiga. We're in Mokotan still. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought it was a... Okay, anyways, very soon, very, very soon, in the middle of of the tractate Chagiga, it gives this very interesting uh, teaching. It says that God created for each person a portion in Gan Eden, right, Eden, and Gehenna, hell. And basically, each person's job is to basically shed his portion of Gehenna, of, of hell, and to only keep his portion in Gan Eden. But the problem is that we know there are some people who don't, who do the opposite, and they get a portion in Gan, in Gehenna, in hell, and do not have a portion in Gan Eden. So the Gemara says that what happens is that when a tzaddik, a righteous person, does what you are supposed to do, he not only gets his share, he gets a Russia, a wicked person's share. And when a wicked person does bad things, he only, not, not only gets his share in in Gehenim, he also gets the share of the person who who was a tzaddik and he lost his share, so to say, in hell. And therefore, says Rav Kutna, Rav Yoshua of Kutna, he says, that's the same thing here. Every Jew had the opportunity to come to the land of Israel with Ezra and Nehemiah, but they chose not to. So their portion was given up. They had a portion. But it was given up to somebody who did go to Israel. So it ends up that that minority of Jews who came to Israel uh, uh, with Ezra and Nehemiah, actually, even though numerically they were the minority of the Jews living in Israel, but in terms of portions in the land, they had all the portions of the land because they took all the portions of those who, who, who missed the opportunity and didn't come back to the land of Israel. And unfortunately, we see that today also. We once again have the opportunity to come back to the land of Israel. Everybody has that has that possibility of doing so. And those who don't, not only does it hurt the Jewish people, until we have enough of a mass, a critical mass, we can't move forward. 
But besides that, they risk losing their own portion in the land of Israel and giving it up and forfeiting it to somebody else. That, I think, is something that everybody has to take into consideration. Um, uh, we've run out of time, so we appreciate you joining us. And again, people, you got to call, call us. We're, we're, we're waiting for your phone calls. We, we would love to hear, again, compliments, but also we'll, we'll take the... Uh, the criticism also, and we'd love to discuss things with you. So next time, please call us, call in, and we'll see you again next week, Monday, 4 o'clock. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 